0: hi my name is Tu and you're listening to brutally delicious on this amazing thing you're looking at right now
1: how are you Bruce Moore my partner Chris how you doing man how are you, how are you? I'm good thanks I ran a little late
0: because um, I was uh, going swimming, winter bathing, or whatever you call it. Yes, in the ocean. Yes. Oh my god! uh, It's one below zero. So oh, (laughs) (laughs) is that water
2: temperature is one below zero, or it's one below zero in the air?
0: That was was ice on on the water. Is that something you do regularly? Yeah, my wow. wife does it every day. Really? I try to join her as much as I can, but uh, it's good. So is there anything more metal
2: than going for an ice bath in the ocean in the middle of winter?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but she's more metal than me then, because she can stay in for five minutes, and I'm uh, one minute or something, maybe two is- wow.
2: I just I just wonder like what happens when you get up to that area where even in
0: warm water it gives guys a shock. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like you just have to switch off the brain and then do it. And just at that moment when you break the surface of the water, your body is screaming at you like this is a mistake. <laughs> Turn back, but it's too late. And then you just plunge in, and then you need to try and you know. Uh, Try to keep calm and not but be like and then you can stay in for a little while until you get I numb fingers and your toes start fight. falling off and right.
2: I guess it's a good mental mental exercise, right? To teach you to stay calm in heavy situations.
0: Yeah, and it feels amazing afterwards. So yeah,
2: but like when you get in the car and there's warmth.
0: <laughs> well, actually already as as soon as you get out of the water. You're freezing, of course, but like 10 seconds later, you're like, I don't even need to get dressed because this is great. You know, wow. I'm warm. So it's it. I mean, right away, within five, 10 seconds or something, you feel great. And then it feels even better to put on your clothes again. Interesting. <laughs>
2: this isn't music related, but how did you guys start doing this?
0: Um, actually, we moved here almost two years ago we moved in on march 1st and um, three kilometers that way yeah. um, there's a beach which is practically our own there's like a huge castle and and they own all the land uh, between the castle and the beach so only if you live If you're one of the residents of this small area, you can get a permit to drive through the forest and then go to the beach. So we started doing that. And I think in the end of March or something, uh, when we moved here two years ago, And, and then we just, it just felt great. I mean, down there it's rough it's it's not like a posh beach or anything it's just like rough stones and stuff mm-hmm. so it's um it feels a bit more crazy but <laughs> but i i kind of like that the the where we did did it today was uh, in this um uh, like harbor type thing that has a bathing area with a bridge and ladders and stuff so it's all posh and nice and looks good and stuff but down here it's it's rough there you wow. just there's nothing you just take off your clothes and then you storm into the water and you know that if you get a little bit too far out then it's dangerous because if there are waves and shit you can right. get pulled on so under. are
2: you doing this in the nude or are you wearing swimming
0: clothes like <laughs> why did you go there? We're alone so it's it's uh, viking style <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice,
0: that's awesome. Give me
2: one sec. I just have to close my door. I can hear my furnace. One sec.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. no problem. So anyway, thank you for taking the time to do it. I know we tried a couple months ago and it didn't work out, but I'm glad we got to make it. Yeah, right.
0: because uh, I forgot to answer. That's fine. The we, no, it's, no,
1: it's fine. Things are so fucked up anyway, everywhere. So yeah. It anyway, is. Chris, you want to lead the way?
2: Sure. What's what top secret projects are you working on right now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm. uh,
0: I don't know uh, I don't think it's super top secret I'm mixing uh, Billy Bio from Biohazard his uh, uh, project I'm mixing a new album for them I got about half the songs waiting for the other half and then I I, I was supposed to do a, a local band in January but one of the guys got Corona Oh. And they had to cancel like two days before. And that left me just sitting here, like staring at the walls and be like, okay. And then I have this, uh, he started as an intern. Now he's more like an assistant. He's been coming here, you know, one uh, once or twice a week or something for three, four, five years or something. And he always asks me stuff that make me reconsider the way I do things oh, which really? is like the 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 great thing about having him here because he's he's very talented uh, mixing guy but he um, he does it mostly at home and, and or only at home and <clears throat> and then he comes here and then he's like hmm I don't know why would I ever want to use an la2 or instead of an 1176 or whatever you know something that i know and i done this and that and stuff and then you just get set in your ways and 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 because shit's got to be finished and 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 you do what usually works and stuff and then he comes and asks a question like that i'm like well that's because this and that and hmm how come i never How how come I stopped doing that? Because I really like when you do this and that, and and then uh, I have to go out and buy stuff. But uh, about half a year ago, (laughs) a couple of uh, months ago, he asked me about uh, irs. If I ever considered doing irs, I was like, no. Why would I? I have a great sounding drum room, and I have I don't know ten different cabinets and uh, I think oh, you wow. can see yeah, nice. 20 amps or something over there. Yeah well you could tell me. Um, yeah so, so I'm like why would I because but but then when this band canceled I was like yeah maybe I should do some and so now my plan is to do a lot of things like I'm doing my own sample library Nice, it, mainly so that I can use it, and um, but then I'm thinking maybe I should do it uh, a little TV shop or a shop site on my website and see if anybody else wants to buy them. And like right now, I'm doing a lot of camper profiles because we have a camper and I never did it, and um, and I just thought yeah there might be some people who would be interested in that, and it would be fun to do because I haven't done it in five years or something since I last did anything with the Kemper and um and then I did a few, and I was quite surprised they I think they must have updated the software because it left me feeling a lot more satisfied than it did five years ago oh wow uh, and um. Or maybe I just did something wrong five years ago. I don't know. <laughs> you know, basically, I am more of an amp guy. I, I think it's more fun and, you know, to plug into something and knowing that no matter how many times you plugged into this amp, it's always going to be different because the mic is never going to be in the same place and that stuff is never going to work the same Uh two two years in a row. It's going to be close or similar or very similar, but it's never the same. But with a digital thing, it's always going to be the same. So, but uh, I've been doing a lot of that. I've been doing a lot of uh, some one-shot samples, and then I've I've been using the Slate uh, trigger thing. So I've been trying to make my samples so I could, you know, basically for myself to... uh, to see uh, because I never really like other people's samples and I never really like other people's preset in uh, AMP plugins or whatever. You know, it's always like I also did some, I don't know if they call it IRs, but, you know, these two notes, um, torpedo things. And I did a bunch of, of cabinets for them and... I was never crazy about any of the ones that I got from the company, but as soon as I heard my own, I was like, yes, this is what it should sound like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I can understand it. I can't explain it because it's really, I mean, we all use a Shure 57 on a guitar or on a snare or whatever. And so what the hell is it that we do differently? But for some reason i've throughout my whole career i pretty much only used samples that i did myself mm-hmm. and whenever i try because some people send me stuff and want me to try it out or or there's a big hype oh yeah this is the greatest thing ever and stuff and okay let me try it out and then i'm like hmm and then i pull always in and out Pulling my own shitty sample that I did in two thousand and three for a snare, and it sounds horrible. It sounds like a hitting an old school typewriter. <laughs> it's awful, and I send it to some friends of mine, and they're like, "Are you crazy?" You know? Like, yeah, no. Well, you decide. But this does it for me because I can. I know I can get exactly this, or this, or this, in a certain way that. I because I always use samples to help what's already there, not to replace it so much, um, and and then it's like this little thing that I know that will help me get just what I need to make what someone sent me better, and and for that reason I think it's really interesting doing these uh, samples and you know I'm just goofing about it. I'm not scientific about it but everything i do is anti-scientific i think or i'm not one of those guys with measuring bands and stuff to (laughs) see if the mic is at the exact same distance to the snare and stuff because everything i ever did was uh, you know kind of random random but not random right you know uh, it was a
2: method to the madness
0: yeah or madness to the method (laughs) Uh, it's like um if let's try this stuff. Let oh this mic sounds great when it's here, but we only have one, so we can't really do a stereo setup and and but I want something stereo, so i just put something else over here. Oh, can I make it work? Yeah, it works. And it doesn't sound like crazy everything to the right, or maybe it does, but it's cool for this record, or you know, all these things that um if you go by the book it's wrong but if you take the record i guess it's right yeah it doesn't make and a that's difference pretty mu- that's pretty much how i go about everything like i would uh, <clears throat> like i did uh, the new ectomorph album that just came out last week or something we did it a year and a half ago um they changed labels and stuff and Solely the main guitar songwriter and everything. He's he's been he was always a Mesa guy. He played Rectifier when I met him, and later on it was the Mi- Mark Five, but always Mesa. And he, you know, all the Kemper uh, profiles are did, He preferred the Mesas without knowing what it was. I sent him. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's his DNA. That's <laughs> funny. But anyway, he he um, did his own kind of shitty, uh, you know, fast profiles for the Kemper and it behaves in a different way than the amp. And when he got here, he was like, I want to record with the Kemper. And I was like, no, you don't. I fucking hate that shit. (laughs) And then he was like, (laughs) yeah, but okay, we can try and we tried out all these amps and pedals and cabinets and everything. And at the end of the day we had to do the album with the Kemper because it just sounds different. It sounds uh, it sounds very close to what to to a real amp but it's not. So it is different and and that small difference he's just fallen in love with that sound. Like how the response of the low end doesn't come later like on a martial wall where it goes like and then you, you go that delay between the low end and the crunch which is normal for pretty much anything but that doesn't happen in the Kemper on, on his sound it just it shows up right away when he's playing everything is there at the same time and I can understand and we did the whole album with the, with the Kemper because we couldn't get any amp to behave in that way And then it doesn't matter so much what I feel about uh, this and that. And uh, no, my principle is to uh, always—we always use this mic because that's the fucking best. There is no fucking best. There is differences in everything, and whatever makes the guitar player happy will make him play better, and that will make a better record. Oh, and then it doesn't and then it doesn't really matter to me if if it's um uh, if it's uh, you know this or that amp i'm happy with any amp in the world pretty much as long as uh, as Mr. guitar player and me and and this whole this little bubble that we're in when we're doing a record as long as we're all happy i know we're going to a good place right. and that's probably going to be a different place than anybody else in the world because it's only us right now. So,
2: mm-hmm. what's the what's the like I don't know how to phrase this. What's the worst guitar equipment that ever showed up for you to record but turned out being the perfect thing?
0: I there's a local band you don't know them. They're called Singvogel. It's a Danish band. Small, but, but I known them forever. And we've been working together for before I did anything that anybody would know anything about, like uh, I've been working with them for twenty two years or something and um on and off, they are basically punk ruggers, so the but nothing is like you would expect anything to be everything is different, and that's why I love still working with them like the guitar player showed up one day and said. <laughs> I was thinking, maybe we if do you have a vase? Because maybe if we put a microphone into the vase and put it in front of the amp, what would that sound like? And I was like, (laughs) probably very horrible. But what the fuck, let's do it. And (laughs) we ended up actually recording a part like that. You know, (laughs) and and (laughs) and it's stupid. But and his guitar setup is kind of like that. It's he has this. I think it's a Yamaha combo, a really old one. And then his dad builds built like a, it's looks like a monitor box. It's about this big and has one speaker and a tweeter. That's just. Um, probably from something hi-fi or whatever. <laughs> and and I think there's, there's an amp inside it. It I think it's meant for him to actually sing through it when he was young or something, but he uses it for his guitar and it sounds like a, a million bees coming at you at <laughs> crazy volume. And then in combination with the Yamaha and then he has some preamp and everything is... Uh, I posted it on my Facebook. Or I, I think the last time they were here, probably a year ago or something, and uh, and some people start talking about, yeah, that Yamaha, they made some clever stuff, and I'm like,
1: don't go <laughs> there. <with it."
0: laughs> This is a band But I think it's fun because most people expect me to You know, be all about 5150s and metal production and stuff And I just love when something is off the grid and crazy And working with this band is always crazy They will show up with a list so they can check everything They don't have a bass player so sometimes it'll be uh, bass saxophone or uh, I don't know the English word clarinet. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That bass clarinet. Word? Yeah, and and then she will uh, be playing the bass in in the production. Or sometimes it's a mini mooc, and um, everything is 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 crazy and everybody are recording it's live and it's overdubs and everything at the same time and we'll do vocals maybe before the track is actually done and uh, then we'll do some guitar bit you know everything is thrown together and it's just a big pile of craziness but then you have to make music out of it right and i love listening to those records afterwards because when we start out i'm like where is this going (laughs) But when we end up, I always think it sounds like music, and I really enjoy listening to it. And lyrics are really great. And so, um, you know, I think everybody should have those experiences because it's it's nice. For me, about 10 years ago or something, I really felt like when I'd done like... 20, 30 metal albums, which were all like sort of focused around the same thing being rough. Yeah, yeah. All the time. Then having these guys come in, it was like taking a vacuum cleaner to the brain and just erase everything. And when they left and I had to go back to do something metal again afterwards, it was like, oh, yeah, there's everything in the world. And that actually also spills into doing uh, more straight up just metal albums you know knowing that there's a different world we can do something crazy here oh they didn't like that okay so we don't but um, you know
2: how involved do you get get with say drum tuning or guitar setups or anything like that while you're recording bands
0: uh (sighs) I usually, I like to have someone tune the drums. Uh, if the drummer's not good at it, have, it, I mean, depends on how crazy it gets. I'm, over the years, I I learned, I guess, through, uh, through listening to drums through microphones. And knowing that what you hear through a microphone is not the same thing that you hear in the room, because in the room, you're like at least one this far away from the drum. So you hear the room more than you actually hear the the drum. And knowing that, that when you get in here, you hear this purr, that you don't like. So you have to go in there and find it. And if you hit the drum in there, it sounds fine, but the microphone doesn't lie. So you have to find that tuning spot to get rid of it and be able to hear it and that I do a lot I don't um, I'm not one of those guys who wants to tune the drums to the tune of the guitars or stuff like that uh, I understand where they're coming from It uh, f- for me it doesn't matter if you call me back in three years maybe I have a new idea and I'll say <laughs> the opposite because it, because everything really is like that for me. It's uh, whatever makes us in our little bubble here happy now is what we'll do. And then if you ask me a year later, what amp did you use in that record? I probably have no idea. Sometimes I know <laughs> because it was an issue or, or something that was really focused on. But normally, you know we'll try a bunch of stuff out with the guitar player. And when he's happy with, when he's happy with the amp and the cab and the pedals and whatever, I close the door to the noisy room and that's not important anymore. Then it's about him and me and him playing guitar and, you know, getting the best takes. And, and then I completely forget everything also because I know that, it doesn't really matter when you when you change the band. It doesn't. I mean, I did this, I I, I did, I mixed and reamped uh, Heaven Shall Burn records some years ago, I forget which one, but I did a reamp session of the whole record. And, um, and we finished the record and they went home, everybody was happy. And and I was mixing stuff and didn't have to do anything amp related for the next two months. So the door just stayed closed. And then I got this mix uh, job for a, a German, actually, I forget which band it was. Maybe it was Naira. But it was, you know, a band that was style wise sounding pretty similar to Heaven Shall Burn. And, um, and I was like, great. I did just. We just spent a lot of time setting up guitar sound for Heaven Jill Burn, and th- here comes this band that sounds more or less the same. And uh, so, of course, I have the guitar sound set up already, and then I started reamping, and it sounded absolutely horrible. And mm-hmm. I had to change everything about it because <laughs> it's not the same band. Yeah. I mean, you might think it's the same band, and you might think that. Uh, Airborne sounds like AC/DC or whatever,
1: right?
0: But at the end of the day, they don't because they're not AC/DC. And uh, as much as I wanted to, I'm not entombed or Metallica or you know all these things that we think sound great. So it really is about capturing the moment, um, right? That and sense. that was pretty far away from the question you asked, I think.
1: But uh,
2: it's okay. Uh, <laughs> So, i go, go ahead Bruce. No, i was
1: gonna say I was going through the the list of or your discography and uh I actually forgot about the cleansing that's one of my favorite records back with uh with suicide silence what was that like? Was it tough working with them, and how did you build that such a massive record i did- I didn't record the album
0: okay uh, they recorded it live in the studio with uh Fuck it, I can't remember now. It doesn't- but it, it was not uh, it was not a nobody. It was really a somebody. So it's kind of embarrassing that I can't right. remember right now. Anyway, um, <clears throat> they recorded it live. And that was really a live record. Actually, I had to do the... Uh, are you familiar with uh, Nail the Mix from Unstoppable Recording Machine? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I I did a session uh, about half a year ago, or no, a year ago, uh, where we did uh, revisited uh, that album, and when I opened up that session from my backup, I was like, "Holy shit! I did nothing." <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it seemed like to me. But of course, you do something. Right. Um, but it it was um, really intense recording. And when you, when you went into the audio files uh, folder and then look, you have like a snare track that was recorded as uh, five minutes past two. Then you have another snare recorder at 10 minutes past two and another one, 15 minutes. And there were like four takes or five maybe or something and everything, all the tracks, guitars, bass, drums, everything was chopped up together. So it was like, here's a good verse and the first chorus, and then there's a good verse from a different take, and then there's maybe the this from the first take. The set, You know, it was like huge chunks of takes that were just pieced together, so maybe there was like, I don't know. Five between uh, three and fifteen edits on a on a song wow. that was just pieced together by maybe four or five takes on a gotcha. song, and you could go into the audio files folder and see that this was recorded within twenty minutes or something. Oh, unbelievable! It's like five takes, like right after each other. Wow! And. um and that was amazing. And I re- rem- remember mixing, you know, there are a few records that stands out because I always most go deaf mixing them because right. I, you just have to crank it up because it's, it's with that record, it's so violent. Yeah. It's so in your face and it, it has
1: to be. I mean, I think that record was awesome. I went, and back and, were, I went back and revisited last night after I was looking at your thing and I listened to the whole thing just, you know, sitting around on one of my headphones. And I was like, holy shit, this thing, you hit it right. I mean, you can't say it any better. It's violent. Yeah. And it's a wall. Yeah. There was nobody like Mitch, though. I mean, he was quite, quite different. Yeah. 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 I prefer that one
0: because I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I.
2: I have a technical question. All of yeah. your records, none of them sound the same, but they definitely have a style, especially with the bass and the drums. Like, like you find a way to kind of make sure the guitars keep their bottom end in, in the kind of like, you know, I don't even know, like 150 to 500 range. How do you kind of approach doing that while still keeping the, like the body of the drums and the bass alive?
0: actually i i come from a place um back around the t- uh, like i think when i started out doing sound i was like i i was pissed off with old guys who would be like yeah 57 is always the best for guitar or for if you can't do good sound with the 57 you can't do good sound or you know stuff like that and i was like Fuck fifty-seven. I'm never gonna, and I didn't use a Sure fifty-seven for probably ten years or something oh, for wow. anything, just because fuck those guys, <laughs> <laughs> which is ridiculous. But that's you know. So I went in any other direction. You know, I I would take anything else uh, just to avoid doing what other people were doing, and the same goes for like. I heard a lot of, you know, the book would say that guitars like in the mid range, you don't really need uh, all that low end and all that high end because it's not really where the notes are. And I was like, no, but it's where it sounds good. So I probably also did a lot of stupid recordings with way too much of something that's not even guitar related noise in the guitar sound. Mm -hmm. I know and now I'm, uh, you know. But you know, being young, you're like, yeah, I know what's right, um, and everybody else don't, right? I I, I know the truth, and um, <laughs> so I went uh, by that. And that, for instance, that uh, the first NEMIG album or the early NEMIG albums, I was really uh, done. From that perspective, where I was like, why can't you have 10 kilohertz in the guitar sound? It makes it sound better. And why can't you have 50 hertz in the guitar sound? Because I think it sounds great and it's a wall of sound and it's, it sounds fuller than if I don't. So I was like, yeah, well, if it sounds good and sounds good when I bring it to the car and it sounds so, fuck it, let's do it. And I think that goes some way to explain what you are asking, yeah, because i i never really i never i never went by i i took some audio education stuff, not a lot, and it was actually too late. the damage was already done <laughs> <laughs> but but you know. I, and and the book would always say do low cuts on everything because it was also about live sound and stuff and you don't need uh, anything below 100 hertz on vocals because that's not where the vocals are yeah well try I mean try to get Johnny Cash to sound like he's filling up the whole room if you cut everything out of it and um, that was kind of my approach to it and i was when i was 12 or 15 or something i was both a drummer and i started playing drums and guitars at the same time so i have equal amounts of love for both instruments and i i love i want M- music in general, I think pretty much no matter what kind of music, it needs to be physical um, for me. And that goes for drums. I want to, f- even if you're at low volumes, I want you to um, be able to get that feel of standing in front of a huge PA in a big concert you you, that feel of a bass drum going like in your stomach right so oh and then you get one on the nose so you can keep your balance (laughs) you know from the snare and that uh, that effect is something i want to always be there and it can be tricky because if you put that much power into the bass drum And having to play crazy loud on CDs like we've been doing for almost at least fifteen years. Now it's getting better again uh, with streaming, and we don't have to play so loud anymore. But you know, and I'm guilty. It's (laughs) but it's hard. It's it's difficult to make a record come out loud uh, that way when you put a lot of power in the low end of the bass drum. Especially when the drummer goes into a <slurals> part, fuck it, your whole mastering is <laughs> gonna go <laughs> <laughs> horrible. But um, yeah, that was. Um, I wanted, I wanted, let's step in the drums, not like they actually sound, but like they sound to me in here. I want big drums. I want ambience mics on my drums because I think it's really good glue. It's also a pain in the ass when the cymbals get too noisy and uh, there's a lot of problems. There's something I want and I don't want all the problems, but you have to accept both and then balance it out. And um, so I usually I like to get all the tracks playing fairly quickly because i know if i spend two days uh, mixing a drum kit it's going to fall apart when i put the bass on and then when i get the bass and drums working it's going to fall apart when i put the guitars on and it's also going to fall apart when you put vocals on it's everything has to be there to to make it let it find its own space and i like everything to be heard so if you send me 300 tracks because you think I want to leave this guy options. Chances are I'm going to use all 300 tracks. So (laughs) (laughs) because if if you took the time to record it, I feel bad throwing it out. Kind of like if someone gave me a free CD still on the wall back there because I can't throw it out. It's music. Someone paid a lot of attention to it. You know, the heart and soul in it, right? Yes. And the same goes for tracks. Send me 200 tracks and there's Heart and Soul in uh, all of them in some way.
2: I struggle with that one. (laughs) (laughs) That one I understand. I got a mix a little while ago. It was 125 tracks and I was just like, am I using all of
0: this? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here we go. And you know, sometimes you get like eight microphones on a single guitar take. and, And it's like, they all sound the same or not the same at all. Or, and you know, sometimes if something sounds horrible, I'll just look for whatever is working best. And because I've been through this whole let's use this amp, but what happens if we split the signal and also record this amp and maybe a third one too, and maybe two different caps on this one, because both of them sound good and we have two mics and everything. And then you end up recording 10 tracks for one guitar. Yeah. (laughs) And, and you know, but also, and sometimes it's great, you know, they phase out a little when you, when you mix the mics and you find the sweet spot for the mix between different mics but it's also you you gotta you usually do it because oh I really like the fifty-one fifty. But it sounds better if it put a little bit of a rectifier in, because then the low end is, yeah, it does. But now it doesn't sound like a fifty-one fifty anymore. Right. It sounds like it doesn't sound like a rectifier either. It sounds like a whole new thing, which can be good. But if you were in love with the fifty one fifty, Maybe you should consider just sticking with that
1: one. That's a whole not, rap, that's a whole rabbit hole you could go down, though, right? I mean, where does that end? Yes, and I, I've been there <laughs> many
0: times, you know, recording lots of things. But what I also uh, started finding out is that the more mics, which is also true for drum recordings, of course, the more mics you put up, the more face issues you're going to get. And it can be good. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, but at least you need to make sure that when you mix all this, are you just going to get this huge comb EQ going without you even noticing? And and then when you start mixing, it's like, wow, oh, this shit was just like... Distort- one type of distortion is doesn't work necessarily with a different type of distortion. Right. Like if you take your a super distortion pedal and plug it into a high-gain amp, it's probably going to be shit. If you take a mild overdrive like a tube screamer, it'll work. But if you take like a metal tone and plug it into the high-gain input of a whatever high-gain uh, amp, it's just going to destroy everything. And it's kind of the same if you split the signal and have – Three different amazing sounding amps, and then you put them together in the mix, and it's like, now they're not so amazing anymore. But maybe you forgot to realize that and you just recorded it, right? So,
2: yeah, are you a do you double mic your toms or just single mic?
0: Uh, yes, no, uh, <laughs> most of the time I just uh, mic the top of the tom. Sometimes I record the bottom as well, but I don't know, it, it's a lot of extra hassle, and um, I find that I can just as easily work with, uh, with only the, the top mic. So sometimes I do it. It's, it's, it's more I mean, if you're here tomorrow and you ask me that question, I'll probably put up a top mic on the bottom. As well, because you asked me, and then that reminds me. Oh yeah, I did that, and that sounded cool. So, okay, maybe I should do it again. So maybe it'll happen tomorrow because you asked me. Because it really <laughs> does work like that with me. Um, it kind of depends on the situation and and if something is calling for it. But I don't I don't do it. Be, I don't do it as a general rule. Um, I like to record from the top as a general rule, but uh, yeah. putting one on the bottom is like sometimes yes, but not always.
2: Yeah, I've tried it. I've never, it's never done much for me, you know. But yeah. I've worked with a lot of engineers where it did work really well for them. So I was like, huh. But it's like you say, engineering is such a personal exactly. journey. You know, it it's is. like it's everyone has their own way of approaching
0: something to get exactly. a particular result. And I, I that's very important thing, I think, because there's a lot of discussions about, you know, which is the best mic, which is the best whatever preamp, and uh, should you mis- mix on a desk, or is in the box better, and all this stuff. And, you know, um, I recorded some stuff sometimes that were going to uh, some of my... Uh, favorite mixers in the world and uh, like Terry Date for instance and he had a set of uh, things that he would like if he was he didn't end up mixing the record I did but anyway he was supposed to but time didn't allow it or something Um, and so we did a couple of things in the recording that I didn't think was necessary but I'm not going to argue with someone that I look up to or Maybe I don't even look up to them. If if this guy, uh, what's his name, someone uh, has a preference, if he says he can't mix bass without a pull tech EQ and he can't do it without a uh, Neve this or uh, this particular mic or something, that's his uh, way of working. And I can't argue with that. Right. Um, but for me, it might not make the same difference. You know, it's it's like uh, asking a carpenter to not use the hammer anymore, or a screwdriver. Use uh, glue instead. It's much better. You don't tell him that. It's like he, he knows what he needs to make what he's doing, and you shouldn't fuck with that, and that'll be different for all of us in some ways, hopefully. And for me... Mixing on a desk is not good anymore. I did it like in the 90s. And, and uh, yeah, sometimes I'm uh, in the early, yeah, I don't know, 90s and early zeros or what's it called? <laughs> 2000s. <laughs> 2000s, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I mixed uh, a lot of stuff on desks. And I remember what it's like. And there's... Certain things that I like about it, but I so prefer to stay in the box now
2: yeah, are you using a uh, control surface for faders, or are you just strictly no. mouse
0: i when I first started out by myself, I bought a g three with the circular mouse <laughs> oh, and and that was actually my first computer like my own first. I never did have a computer before that. So I learned to use that one and I've been comfortable with the keyboard and the shortcuts I got on the keyboard and the mouse. That's, I mean, you can, this is my workflow.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, great. You know what? I'm, I'm the same. I started out working on like SSL large format and a classic API desk. Yeah. And then I went and I started working in the box yeah. and I was just like, Oh, this is great. And then someone said, Oh, we have to mix on a desk. And I was like, Oh, sure, I remember how to do that. And yeah. I started doing it. And I was like, this is terrible. It's yeah. so slow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Me too. But that's like, like, this and patch that. And like
1: yeah. Hey, before we go, because I know we kept you a lot longer than I thought. Do you have any crazy stories or what's a crazy story, good or bad, of one of your clients that have come in that you care to share? Crazy story. Or I think, unusual, or whatever the word might be. Something that stands out, that you tell yeah, at cocktail parties. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> dinner parties. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, I remember just before the Haunted split up, um, that when we did the, I think it was the Versus, no, not the Versus, um, the Unseen album. I was, because everybody in the Haunted are were really different. You had the twins where one of them says nothing and the other one says less. <laughs> and then you have Pierre, the drummer, and he's, uh, you know, also a quiet, moody, never really satisfied with anything. Too, that, oh, <laughs> kind of guy. And you got Peter, the singer, who was, you know, all over the place and Jensen, who's just, uh, uh, probably the most normal guy in the uh, in the band. And, you, you know, at that point, I had the feeling that they were... They all found their place because whenever Peter would go off on a rant and hearing, oh, I could... It c- could we find some weird synth? Because I hear this sound like kind of like Mickey Mouse, but in a Tom and Jerry kind of way. <laughs> and then he's got to be like, when the rabbit starts thinking about and the, yeah, that uh, sound. And then we would put stuff. And when that started to happen, I remember he got one of those ideas and he, he was like, oh, oh, but then he kept himself and said, oh, uh, guys, are you finished with what you're doing? And then. Uh, They were like, yeah, well, can we turn up this and that? And they'll just play this part again and move that drum hit or something. And then, okay, so it's my turn now. And then he's moved up. And I remember the other three guys, the twins and Pierre, would just look at each other at the couch in the back and be like, start to pick up the stuff and walk back to the hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because they knew now... Stuff was happening that they would want to vote out of the record later on, (laughs) but but it stayed on the record. It's still there. And, and it's, I thought that was actually a really beautiful moment that showed that they were so different in their approach to a lot of things, but they also, everybody at that point, that was my perception, um, found peace with everybody's differences. And they knew that they had to leave stuff and just let this guy or that guy or whoever go off on whatever idea they have because what they all bring to the table is what made The Horns such a great band at that time. And I know it's not the most successful records, but I think... Those people who like what started on the Dead Eye uh, and appreciated the direction they went in uh, for those next couple of records know that some really special stuff. And I know everybody in the band uh, really knew that they had to give each other space to do all these things. Nice. And that made the the whole uh, split up uh, about a year later or whatever when it was is uh, so much more sad because i i really thought that they were a uh, you know a really difficult to work machine mm-hmm. uh, within themselves but they found a way
1: but then everything blew up and everybody got pissed off yeah
2: it's rock and that's, roll uh,
1: that's it yeah. <laughs> yeah that's all i've got to. i want to take take the time to thank you for uh I know we kept you a long time. I didn't plan on going on the song. But yeah, great. I could it's stay it here. for three hours. I'm just a geek. But I'll...
2: I'll...
1: <laughs> you can do it again. Get the vocals.
0: But I'll let you go. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, I, I have some time if you want.
1: Yeah, we've got... I mean, it's up one to you. More, you more want to ask it? I'm going to hit the restroom real quick while you're doing that question. Yeah,
2: sure. Okay. So how do you approach recording vocals? Do you have like a particular mic chain that you like? Um, compressors? Like recording a screamer is... Is something that's not exactly easy.
0: Uh I'm first up, I very rarely use that mic. Now I'm pointing SM7 in your face. face. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I know it's uh everybody is like, yeah, it's the only one, and I'm like yeah, I know what it's. It's good for exactly what you're doing. That's what it's built for.
2: Yeah, and yeah.
0: and it's good for a lot of things. I just think it sounds better to sing into a tube mic, and it doesn't matter if you're a screamer or a clean singer or something. So, I'll usually go for a, a tube mic. And I, years ago, like in the early 2003. No, this was two thousand and two. I bought like it was like a, a Chinese uh, copy of one of the old Neumanns. I forget forget which one. Yeah, thirty-seven forty-nine or something. You know, one of those uh, lots of money microphones. And this was a cheap copy, but uh, that a local tube guy said like, "Well, everything in this one is actually exactly like it should be," and I bought this one and this was after I did the Mimic demo before the first album. Then I bought the microphone. Then they came back and did the album and Michael, the singer just sounded like he was 10 years older and so much better. And the next band I did was another band I'd been working with on demos and stuff, local band for five years. And when they came in, the singer just sounded like, Oh, you grown up, man. And then another one. And then I was like, holy shit, I can never record a singer without this microphone ever again because it's got to be the holy grail. And I stuck with it. I still have it. It's broken. So I had to buy a new one, find a, a new Chinese ripoff uh, you know, yeah. microphone of the same brand. I went to the same store and they had from the same shipment 10 years earlier. They still had another one in a suitcase. Um, And um, so I I like, I have some others now and I change every once in a while. I'm like, you're not the boss of me, so I'll do something else (laughs) just for the sake of doing something else. But um, tube mics. Is usually pretty important for me to, uh, for vocals, and that doesn't matter if it's a screamer. And if you listen solo, you hear a lot of uh, low frequency noise going on because the mic can't handle it. Yeah, but when you listen to it on the in the in the context of a metal song, it's probably what's needed for it to work, or part of the reason why it works so well. Um, I always run it into. I have these uh, uh, Neve 1073 uh, preamps um, and a compressor that just touches it so it doesn't go away. And then I, if you have to do a softly spoken or softly sung tone, I'll just click up a few notches. And again, and sometimes you forget, and then you find out that the Neves. Is the most awesome distortion you can get for vocals. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was, actually, I was of, just
2: about to ask you if you drive if you drive
0: the pre. <laughs> I I don't as as I mean as a uh, starting point I don't. But then you're three songs in, and then he's got that type of negative uh, kind of vocal he wants to do, and then you're like ah. Oh, click, uh, not enough, click, click, uh, no, click, ah. Uh, okay. So now we're like 25 <laughs> dBs up or something. And then he does his part, and then we go have a break, have something to eat, and do the next song, which is kind of a fast one. And then he's like, holy shit, you're crazy, dude. <laughs> the, pause, the break really did everything good for you. And then you look over to the knee pre, and it's just like, <clears throat> it. it sounds amazing because the way it breaks up just sounds so good. And then you can't turn it down again. Everything yeah. will be stuck again if you do that. But that's pretty much my way in. Like a tube mic and um, and that going into the computer. Then I'll have usually have an 1176, maybe an LA2. I also have an LA2 that I like to go through sometimes recording vocals. I think it's... Um, Sometimes it's the best thing, and then I really feel like um the vocal is already mixed, but sometimes it works the complete other way and i have I'm like, I hear all these weird things in your voice, and I hate it. give it let me just try something, and then I unplug it and I'm like, yeah, now it sounds good, so it's like um, that'll be my chain before it hits the computer and then it's just eq and uh
2: yeah now
0: and, and another compressor probably
2: what are you using for plugins then like are you waves guy or are you a plugin alliance guy are you uad
0: or are you all of the above mm, no i don't have any uad actually i i, I just never got it and and i'm Pretty happy where I am. I have a lot of things. I and some of it is really boring, like the Palm Factory seventy six. Oh, that's a great compressor. Yeah, it is, and it 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 gets the compression that. I, and if I if it's not, if I need something more gritty, I'll uh, usually plug in the Waves uh, CLA LA two. Yeah. Um, which is amazing also for getting it dirty a bit. I like um, sometimes if if it's recorded too clean and it needs to be dirtier, I use the Lo-Fi from Pro Tools. Yeah. Lo-Fi and just give it like 0.1 or 0.3 or very little. And maybe the saturation takes off some of the ugly high end if you just put it on. I get zero point one or something right. like next to nothing. Yeah. Um, or the the air distortion from Pro Tools. I that's awesome on vocals, but more like in the black metal kind of way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it sounds fantastic. Um, I like to use a, a four band compressor for my vocal group to. If I have more tracks to make sure it doesn't get away. but And I built my own preset that is always my starting point, which is was in the beginning was really meant to make sure that when the double vocal kicked in that the volume wouldn't just get away. But then I kind of made this preset that I almost can't live without now because it's like, oh, you, what's wrong with my mix? Oh, I forgot to turn that one on. Ah, no. (laughs) You know, one of these things. Um, Yeah. A bit of spread. I have some uh, uh, stereo ping pong, and I got this old preset from my TC2290 that I used to have in the rack, and I never touched it. It was always on the same preset. (laughs) Until I found, thought maybe it would be easier to just do it with a, you know, because it's kind of easy. It's just like a very, very subtle, very slow chorus and an s- extremely small amount of depth. And then 20 millisecond re- uh, uh, delay and the return's got to be out of phase. So you phase shift one side because that way, it disappears if someone hears it in mono, so you don't get all that nasty, uh, flanging, ugh, horrible bathroom sounds. Everything <laughs> disappears, and then it's just nice and smooth still. Nice. But you you got to be careful not to put too much of it if you're going to vinyl, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Yeah. <sighs>
2: Well, yeah, I don't but, want to keep you too long. You've been so nice to us today. I really appreciate your time. And sure. and it's just such an honor, man. Thank you. And thank you for making such kick-ass records.
1: Hell yeah. Your contribution is amazing. Thank you for listening.
0: Out there.
1: Hi, I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. We want to tell you about our podcast, None But the Brave, which is dedicated to taking a deep dive into the work of Bruce Springsteen.
2: We're currently in our fifth season. Our latest episodes focus heavily on Bruce's 2024 tour and have featured such guests as Anthony
1: Castrovince from MLB Network and Barstool's Kirk Minahan. We're also covering the 40th anniversary of Bruce's biggest record, Born in the USA. And as part of that, coming up this week... Uprock's cultural critic Stephen Hyden returns to the show for a fascinating hour-long conversation about his new book, There Was Nothing You Could Do, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA and the End of the Heartland.
2: To listen, you can go to our website, mbtbpodcast.com, or subscribe on your preferred podcasting platform.
1: We hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing